Hi. Hi. Hi, and welcome to Look Good for the Boys, a horror gossip podcast. I am Philip. I'm Andy. You should rate and review us if you haven't done that. If you have done that, thank you. You can try doing it again. Great. Yeah, I mean, this isn't democracy. Yeah. You can vote twice, right? There's no consequences no, with podcasts. <laughs> the podcast police are not going to come for you. No, they're 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 too busy with Rogan. <laughs> or not. They're not really no, that they're busy. They're really not. He is the podcast police. That's the problem. Yeah. His fandom is the podcast police. Defund Joe Rogan. <laughs> Sorry, what were we doing? Oh yeah. Nothing. Okay, look. We're done with love for now. Forever. Forever. <laughs> we drowned ourselves in love. Andy had to take a lot of Benadryl. We crossed oceans of time to bring you three podcasts about couples. Yep. And now Valentine's Day is over, mm-hmm. and the anniversary of the release of Dracula is over, yeah. so we're done. Yeah. We're done We with never it. need to talk about love again. I, I, it's weird. Now that Valentine's Day is over- Now you want to talk about now love. Now I'm fine with it. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. that it's not like the thing I'm supposed to do. It's a seasonal allergy for yeah. you. My instinct to defy or resist- the current is so strong that I even don't want to oversell being anti-love around Valentine's Day. Because to me, that's just as much a conditioned response. That's oh, just absolutely. as much like a conformity thing of like, <laughs> no, we're fucking, we're, it's like the hot topic of Valentine's Day. Totally. Yeah. You I know? mean, yeah. So we are, we're at the end of love month, but specifically today's episode, the theme is say something nice. Yes. That's the game we're playing. Say something nice. And in the spirit of saying something nice, I feel like I want to clear something up oh. regarding some things I've said on this podcast in the past, some little like jokes. I've, I make jokes sometimes. You do? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and I've said stuff like, well, you know, the ex that does this or when you run into this ex or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I want to, you know, I'm kidding when I say these things. I'm not even, I don't even like the word X, to be quite honest with you. It's not how I view relationships. It's not how I view my history with relationships, for the most part. I feel like I'm on good terms with most of the people I have dated or been in relationships with. There's a handful I don't speak to anymore. Yeah, but, but that's fine. That most happens. of those are just because that's life. You move on, you do other things, you lose track, you lose touch, you still think of people. But you don't, you know, reaching out when you think of people becomes a rarer occasion. I don't know if anybody I've dated listens to this show, you know? I don't know if anybody listens <laughs> to this know. show. I mean, there are, there are like three people I know for a fact listen to this show because they text me about it. And then I don't, beyond that, I don't know who listens. But I just want to say, if you've dated me and you're listening to this, I, nothing, hey, you're great. You're fine. Nothing personal. And I'm not saying this because anybody's reached out to me. It's just I've thought about some of the things I've said on the show because as someone who used to be involved in comedy, that part of your thinking, that part of your brain, there's always that draw to the transgressive. There's always that draw to the like, oh, I'm going to say the shitty thing mm-hmm. because it's funny, you know? And that's an urge you have to fight. And sometimes you don't have to fight it because it's like, whatever, who cares? I just want to say, that's all that is. Okay. And in the spirit of saying something nice, yeah. I will also say to any of my exes who happen to be listening to the show, you're all very hot. <laughs> That's why, I mean, that's why yeah, I dated you. Yeah, I mean, you. like, yeah, I, everyone I dated, so hot. Yeah. So hot. Mm, still. Yeah. Mm. I mean, still, that, yeah, okay. still, all, all of right, them. All right. Still all so hot. None of this is an invitation. I'm in a relationship right now that is, I love it. It's great. Andy doesn't speak for both of us. This is possibly an invitation. Philip is inviting, yes. I am also in a relationship, but this still might be an Philip invitation. might be inviting some of my exes. I don't know. <laughs> it's just <laughs> open door policy in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, okay, 
speaking of saying something nice, we should probably do that with horror movies, since that's what this show is. Yeah. So we're introducing a new segment today called Say Something Nice, in <laughs> because, case you haven't figured it out. <laughs> because if you also haven't figured it out, we say mean things a lot. Yeah, a lot. Because, fact, we, we because say, movies deserve it. We say more mean things than you know, because we cut a lot of the mean things that we say. Yeah, we try to have our episodes have a balance, so we end up cutting a lot of negative shit from yeah. each episode. Yeah. We're bitches. We kind of are. Yeah. That's fun, though. <laughs> it is. I love that about us. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to change that. Yeah. I just thought that maybe every so often we should have an episode where we make ourselves only say nice things. Yeah, like charity. Yeah, this is a charity <laughs> episode. <laughs> So the, how this is, works is we choose a franchise, we pick the worst two films of that franchise, sometimes three, depending. Yeah, or sometimes one, Some, maybe. Yeah, I mean, if it's that. a franchise of four films, we're not going to watch the two worst. No, yeah. But, you know, the, the, the worst one to three films of the franchise, and then we force ourselves to say nice things about it. Yeah. So I have a question for you. Okay. Are we forcing ourselves to only say nice things? I don't think we are, because okay. I think part of it is we have to acknowledge, and like, okay, maybe this goes against the entire idea, because if we say too many critical negative things, then it's just, we're not saying something nice anymore, we're just saying lots of things on either side. Right. We're saying something nice and something mean. So then how <laughs> the, about- The name the- of the show is not say something nice and something mean. <laughs> So we won't constrain ourselves by not allowing ourselves to say something mean, but we have to say more nice things than negative things. Yes, and I think a good maybe way to think about it is that if we're saying the negative things, we do have to provide some context when we're choosing the movies and, and relating to our listeners why we've chosen said movie. Because this also runs the risk of being a you're wrong type segment where we're taking a movie that is largely, where the consensus seems to be a negative one and we're saying no you're wrong it's great that's not what we're doing here we're saying like the we don't like these movies either so we do have to i think provide at least a little bit of context for you know the movies we've chosen especially in the the series we're talking about today because i think we stand at odds with some people about what the negative and positive installments are (laughs) i mean there's very little consensus on that about what you know people's rankings in this series are all over the place. It's also crazy because it's an inconsistent series made up largely of attempts at remaking the first movie. Yeah. So today we're talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> franchise. And yes, it's all <laughs> over the place. And just to run through the list of films, because it gets so fucking confusing so fast. We've actually already done this a We've few done weeks this, ago. Yeah, but we're going to do it again because this is our show. We do what we want. Yeah. So it's the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's Okay. So it's the Texas Chain Saw Massacre. Chainsaw, Chainsaw is two, two words. words. From 1974. Mm-hmm. Then you have The Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 from 1986. Six, I think. Then you have Leatherface. Colon, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. From then there is 1990. Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, a.k.a. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, a.k.a. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Four from 1994. Yes. Then you don't hear from it for a while. <laughs> and it comes back with the remake, The Texas Chainsaw, One Word, Massacre from 2003. Then there is the prequel to the remake, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The, the beginning. beginning from 2006. Sure, yep, that's 2006. Right. Then you have Texas Chainsaw 3D. 
released later just as Texas Chainsaw yep. because there was no 3D element in home viewing at the time. Well, I mean, there was, but just not. I'm going to stop. And here's where it gets weird because Texas Chainsaw 3D is a direct sequel to the original. Yes. Without anything in between. So ignoring the remake, you know, it's it's going back to the original. It's doing what Halloween It also is. ignores a number of things from the original. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All the, yeah. Then you have Leatherface, which is a prequel to the original. Yes. But no subtitle, just Leatherface. Just Leatherface from 2017. And then, by the time you're listening to this, we have a new Texas Chainsaw movie called... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. No, no the, the chainsaw, chainsaw one, one word. word. Accent on the O. <laughs> <laughs> what O? I'm ki- I was doing <laughs> it like it's an Are You Afraid of the Dark bit. Oh, okay. Sardo, accent on the O, right? Is that what he says? And then there was uh, Fink, Va-Va-Va-Vink. Remember that? The <sighs> Submitted for the approval of fucking no one, apparently. Mm-hmm. I call this the tale of Andy needs to move on. So this series is a mess. It is a mess. And when it comes to choosing the ones that we have to say something nice about, we went with a lot of different factors. Right, because so often, and you see this all over the place, especially in horror films, but the audience and critic scores are wildly different. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes you have to take into account, too, that the critic scores are probably largely made up of critics that don't like horror movies. Right. So this movie isn't for them to begin with. I don't know. The whole thing's a mess. It's messy. And, you know, for example, we're very close to including the remake because we both hate the remake. We both really don't like that movie. But a lot of people really like it. And so it would have absolutely become just a you're wrong situation. Yes. Also, I think the things that you can say nice about that film are pretty obvious. Yeah. And they're not gonna, there's not going to be a lot of nuance to it. So we kind of took what seemed to be, based on both audience and critic scores, the most universally hated of all, what, eight of these films? Not including the new one that just came out? Because mm-hmm. we, we haven't seen we it haven't yet. seen it. Yeah. Which is 1994's Texas Chainsaw Massacre The Next Generation. And 2017's Leatherface. Yep, those are the two. Those are the two winners. <laughs> Congratulations, you're the worst of <laughs> the worst. Congrats, you're losers, and now we're going to say good things to you. <laughs> yeah, right. You suck, we hate you, you're garbage, you shouldn't exist, but let me tell you something nice. Your hair is so pretty today. <laughs> you're not the most torturous thing I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the cases, maybe. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to start with the 1994 fourth film in the franchise, Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Starring Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. And that is truth. That's not a joke. I really like Renee. In yeah, this movie. she's really she's good. She's really good. In this I was movie. ready and to trash her, and I actually know. I don't. I to. don't like Renee Zellweger most of the time. I mean, she's okay. She's fine. She's fine. I don't. Yeah, I don't dislike her. I just don't. I see her in a thing, and I'm like, eh, there she is. I think she's great in this. I, I have a wrench to throw in this. Oh, are you already gonna torpedo the premise? I mean, maybe. What the fuck, Philip? We we haven't even gotten into it yet. Andy, after this most recent viewing, I think I might like this movie. That's crazy to me. I, In fact, it might even be borderline love. That's so weird to me. Really? No, not really. Because I know a lot of people that love this movie. This movie has a following. It has a fandom. And I can see why. It's following borders on cult camp appreciation. Yeah. It's big with, and this is anecdotal, 
but to my experience, it is big in the queer community. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's the queerest of the Texas Chainsaw movies. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, easily. Easily. There's a lot to trash about this movie. To me, it never quite hits the midnight movie cult status that it should have. I see the pieces that are there. It's trying. Yeah. It's trying real hard. It's trying something. (laughs) Well, I think it's trying a a bunch of different things. I think ultimately for me, and I'm probably going to agree with a number of the things you have to say about it, Mm -hmm. but it never quite creates a hole for me that I would love the same way I would love, like, I don't know, a John Waters movie or Rocky Horror or Plan 9 or something like that. Well, and to that, I think, and this is what I was getting into with this, is that I I really don't like Matthew McConaughey's performance in this. And I think Mm -hmm. it's a microcosm of what's wrong with the movie as a whole in that, like, he can't really settle on whether he is a cartoon or not. That's honestly the problem with most of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies to me. Uh, Yeah. And maybe the problems that are in this movie are emblematic of the problems in this series as a whole, but they never quite know... If they want to embrace the cult, campy, queer stuff that is right there with this mm-hmm. with this story, or if they w- are really want to be the in-your-face, unrelenting, butch horror experience, you know, none of the movies seem to pick a side here. I mean, yeah. even famously, the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie, Hooper thought he was making something funny, right? But it was not read that way at all. So it's it's like even in the first movie, which we all agree was a masterpiece is a masterpiece, like has earned its place in the Pantheon. Even that movie, it's like, well, is it funny or is it not? I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I think this movie comes pretty close to crossing the line into into just full farce comedy mm-hmm. cartoon. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and in a lot of ways, very consciously, I just think that it doesn't, it doesn't ever really settle on it. Yeah. And every actor seems to be making different choices as to what, as to what, <laughs> yeah what percentage in they are they are buying into that. Well, that starts, I think, with the opening. And this is the version. We watched the version that's on HBO Max, which is not uh, the uncut or director's cut or whatever version that Scream Factory put out on Blu-ray recently. That version has this whole subplot about Renee Zellweger's dad being an abusive piece of shit. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Or stepdad or mom's boyfriend. I'm going to be honest, I don't remember fully. But there's this whole other thing going on there at the beginning of the movie. But in this version, it starts out with that girl outside the dance who's, what is she talking about? It seems like she's on acid. Yeah, okay, so it you're talking about when the teacher's reading a book outside yeah. and Heather comes out. Is it Heather? Heather, well, Heather comes out and then another random girl okay, comes out yeah. and it seems like she's all fucked up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, it's super bizarre and weird. Yeah, it's really... She seems like she's on acid. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's on something. Yeah. It's not alcohol. So, like, right off the bat, we're like, what is going on here? There's weirdness. Right. And it, in that way, I do love a lot of the weirdness in the movie. There is a lot of weirdness, and yeah. it is it is that level that it's, like, almost alien. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I find super interesting in a, yeah. in a movie like this that's already surreal enough. Yeah. Okay, so... Where do we start with this? Should we talk at all about how, like, to the point where Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger, like, the cover art for the recent Scream Factory release, like, delayed the release of it because Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger want this movie buried. That's not true, though. Their agents, especially in the 90s, their agents were really against this movie. But I was reading interviews with Renee Zellweger, and she actually has good things to say about this movie. Yeah. 
she, what did she say? She's like, I have no shame about it. You know, they took a chance on me and I, it was a fun filming experience. Yeah. And like, I actually really respected what she had to say. Like, it wasn't like a Jamie Lee Curtis kind of like back and forth yeah. or erasure, but yeah. it was, it was specifically their talent agency that tra- kept trying to bury the yeah. film. And they're, they still tried to bury the, like the, the cover art for the Scream Factor release had to be redone before it was put out. But yeah, and it, it didn't get released for years. Well, I think if I remember correctly, it got released, but then... Two years later, when they both got big, big mm-hmm. because of Jerry Maguire and A Time to Kill, the company that made this tried to re-release it in theaters, and that's when it got buried. Yeah. Okay, so nice <laughs> things. First of all, can I just say my favorite thing about this movie? Should we start there? I mean, can I guess? Yes. Is it Heather? No, but I do. I really want to talk about <laughs> okay, Heather. because Heather's great. I'm a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> because I told you, I'm a bitch. I'll tell you what it is. I'm a bitch. I'm just my mother. <laughs> I do weird way to say that her her delivery is so awkward and it makes me love her because she is just like like she got hit in the head like she's not quite there well and she does get hit in the head oh yeah she does (laughs) so maybe but this is before she got hit in the head yeah that's that's when they're just they still think everything's fine yeah no it's not her but that I mean she is a great part of the film it's Darla. Darla. I was just going to say it's, it's fucking it's Darla. Darla. Every time Darla opens her mouth, yeah. I love what comes out. I, like 50% of my notes are just Darla quotes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear it. You get your butt over here, mucho quicko. <laughs> well, she flashes the out the window in her first scene. When she, oh, oh, wait, with the, gu- the, the honking horns. Yeah, yeah, she like yeah. flashes the people. She's like, yeah. eh, give them what they want. She's like, they're phony as $3 bills. Changed my life, though. <laughs> oh, my God. She's so good. They've been doing this for a 1,000, 2,000 years. I don't remember which one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. She's so fucking great. Because she is just, she's kind of in her own movie. Yeah. I mean, I think most of the characters here are in their own thing. Well, at least the family, mm-hmm. you know? And it's weird because they're not complete analogs for the characters that we've known previously you know it's not like in the first two movies where you've got jim Seedow, the you know the cook character drayton drayton sawyer leatherface and then either chop top or the hitchhiker edwin neal or bill mosley those are your three basic characters and then the grandpa and then even three's got a little bit of that with vigo mortensen but in this one it's like oh they're all kind of different yeah like Darla's equal parts hitchhiker and Drayton. Yeah. And Matthew McConaughey's character is a little bit hitchhiker and a little bit Drayton. And a little bit Leatherface. But also a little bit Leatherface. Yeah. You know, the only character... And then W.E., who's constantly... I like W.E. because he's constantly quoting people. He's also, like, equal parts. Well, he's more Drayton, I think, than anybody else. Yeah. But all of them are kind of different. You know, they're, they're doing something different than what we've seen in the characters previously and the explanation of their two families that have come together. I love, (laughs) I I mean, I love everything with Darla, but I love the whole drive-through scene where she has just Renee Zellweger locked in her trunk and she's just like, wouldn't you like to know when the drive-through guy is like, what's in there? Well, she's got the thing with the drive-through guy and And with the cop. All this is happening. Like, it's so weird it's so weird and and i love darla's like performance in that and even that drive-thru like that's a burger stand but she's getting pizzas what is happening it's so weird and then i love when she's coming back with the pizza and heather has escaped and is just crawling across the road and she picks up that stick and it's just like tapping her with it and heather's like stop hitting me well they're doing the (laughs) the drayton hitting sally 
in the first Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. That whole shot, even with the headlights and everything, is like just straight out of the first movie. And there's a lot of that in this movie, yeah. which is, again, a problem, I think, with a lot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies is they're so bent on referencing the first movie or recreating the conditions of the first movie. And there's an argument here, I think, to be made about like the point that the first two movies are making, at least, with these, like, these households of, this household of all men. Like, they're all men these guys mm-hmm. and then like having darla in that mix is like wow it's saying something different now because yeah. there's no longer this absence of a matriarch like we have this woman character well and there was a lot you know that a lot has been said about leatherface's role in that original mm-hmm. family yep. as you know putting on that woman mask yeah you know to take on the role of the matriarch because it was missing but i find really fascinating in this film that you bring in darla who's very much you know very cartoonishly feminine but then at the but, same time you up the femininity of leatherface yeah. at the same time well also darla is like what you would call a ball buster she's like the business woman she's a career woman yeah who inhabits a male space I mean, yeah, there's probably a lot you can. Uh, yeah, I could write a book here. about yeah. Darla. Yeah. <laughs> or just gender dynamics in, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies in general, but especially this one. Yeah. But yeah, even in this one, yeah, he's wearing a nightgown. He's got a dress. I mean, I, one of the big complaints I remember about this movie is that Leatherface doesn't do anything. He's completely stripped of any kind of terror or um, power. Mm hmm. And I actually find that fascinating. It is interesting, yeah. Because, it, again, it's because it's doing something fucking different. Mm-hmm. Which is very rare in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. And I, I feel comfortable calling it a franchise because it's been owned by different companies and different filmmakers have taken a crack at it. It's not just like a straight series. It is, it's a mess. And it's not, I think, very few people that tackle one of these movies understand that it's not Friday the 13th. It's not just this simple thing where you have Jason, who's a threat, and this setting, which is the wilderness. And you put, you know, you put, you can put whatever characters you want into that. It's Mad Libs, you know? Texas Chainsaw Massacre isn't that because this family is so complex. Leatherface on his own is such a complex character Mm -hmm. that you can't just, it's not just a backdrop. It's like, no, you're saying something with this. So you can't just plug in a group of random teenagers. And hey, there you go. You're off to the races. Right. Because there's so much to juggle. Well, and and even, you know, from the first film and on, every film has its own level of complicated family dynamics of the Sawyer slash Slaughter family. Yeah. You know, and they're all doing something, I mean, trying to do something with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and this one, I feel like, has some really interesting stuff. That dinner scene is so fascinating to me. It's so weird. And it's such a weird twist on the, yeah. the traditional Texas Chainsaw dinner scene where it just has all these unexpected and strange twists that are not, I mean, sometimes very nonsensical. You know? Sometimes? I mean, it's very surreal. Yeah. And then you end that with the whole like limo, the guy, what's his name? Uh, Mr. Rothman, Rothman showing yeah. up. The, uh, hi, I'm from the government. <laughs> right. I have um, pierced torso like it's not even his nipples are pierced it's just like his skin on his torso he's like a he's like a cenobite in training he totally is yeah it's really bizarre it's so weird i love when renee zellweger screams at leatherface it's like sit down and shut up and he does (laughs) does. yeah 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 Yeah, that dinner scene is funny i mean the movie's fun it is when you go into it with this mindset of like okay i'm watching the worst what's considered the worst texas chainsaw film and i'm trying to find something nice to say about it it can be a very enjoyable experience yeah i think that's kind of the case with a lot of things i I like this say something nice challenge because going into one of these things going into a film experience to be like i'm gonna find something nice to say it really does kind of open you up 
and yeah. it really and it's and it, it makes it a lot easier. And you can still be critical of the things that don't work. Well, you know, honestly <laughs> though, I'm gonna push back against what you just said because I feel like it really changed my experience watching this one. <laughs> it actually did not help the next one we're gonna talk about. Well, I think part of that is, and I assume we're we're going over the next one now. Uh, well, before we do, okay. I just wanna ask, is there anything that you want to particularly shout out about this one? Any really nice thing? Cause I have one more at least. I like Robert Jax's leather face mm-hmm. in this a lot. He does the, a lot of the tortured anxiety thing that makes leather face leather face. You know, it's, it's, you don't see it in the remake or the remake prequel. You don't see it even in so much, at least in Leatherface Texas Chainsaw three, as far as I recall. But this idea of the, like the Gunner Hansen leather face, yeah. which is the like, Immediately sympathetic, despite being incredibly terrifying. Right. It's a the very hard balance. Face. Yeah, like, yeah, emotionally yeah. and mentally stunted. Mm-hmm. That is terrifying because he's huge mm-hmm. and so driven by this, like these intense and powerful emotions. Yeah. But at the same time, you see that that goes in every direction. Yeah, exactly. And you can relate to him a lot of times. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one thing in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the first one, where, you know, you you, you do have moments of just Leatherface being Leatherface. You know, you get to see him alone. Like Like in the kitchen? Yeah, just doing his thing. And he's, you know, and I love that because it's like, yeah, I know what it feels like, Leatherface, to just have a day (laughs) that's not going your way, you know, and you fuck up the door a little bit. In this one, you get to see that too. Yeah, that's what I want. I like. I like Jax's leather face. I like. There's a lot. There's a lot of wide swings this thing's taken. I yeah, love all the stuff in the car at the beginning with the kids. Yeah, yeah it's interesting. And well, I, I had a dream. What if I crashed this car? And Renee just popping up to like put Barry in his place. Yeah, yeah. You know, is great. And <laughs> yeah. the way that she chooses to play Jenny is interesting. It is. It because is. it's like she's playing the nerd who's and that makes so much sense about the stepdad thing yeah. because she plays the like nerd who's hardened by abuse. Like that's kind of her character. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's tough but she's also mousy. Yeah. And I love that. And she does it really well. Yeah, and she's not it's like a it's like a she's already that. <laughs> Totally, yeah. Because she's already like, yeah, she's fucking hot and she's cool and she's confident and she doesn't take any shit. But also like they're telling you she's a nerd. But she also smokes weed. Right. And that she's damaged. You know, like oh, it's well, clear yeah, that she's yeah, damaged. Yeah, the, yeah the, even without seeing the uh, the scene with her, with the abusive Right, like you know she's been home. through shit. Yeah. I, I don't think I'll ever come around to this movie the way a lot of my friends have embraced it. The way I just did. Yeah, the way you just did. <laughs> and the way a lot of like people who I love and respect, you know, and I get, they have their movie and I'll never come, I don't think I'll ever come around to it quite that, to that degree. Yeah. But goddamn, Renee Zellweger's so good in it. Yeah. And Darla's a great character. And the idea of this like shadowy Rothman figure guy and like, is he from the government? Is he part of a cult? What the fuck is this? Is it a fear experiment? Or is he just another loony from a county over, you know, that is part of this weird role playing that they do together? I don't know what right. any of it is. And I love how it ends with that, where he just picks her up and is like, do you want to go to the police station or the hospital? Yeah. And then she's just like, fuck you. What? <laughs> so great. But then she goes to the hospital and it's still no answers. It's just a bunch more questions right. with Marilyn Burns right. as Sally Hardesty on it. I mean, it's so Lynchian. It is. That, yeah, that final end. scene is a real strange scene. Yeah, it's so weird. And I do have to love that. Yeah. So you know what? Lynchian's the perfect word for it because it is fans. It's the kind of Twin Peaks, the return fan service. Yeah. Oh, you know, absolutely. it's like yeah. 
we're giving you this thing, but not in the way you want it. Yeah. So I guess it is no wonder then that like, I think Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation does have an overlap in fandom with Twin Peaks and David Lynch in general. Yeah. One final thing I want to say about this movie before we move on Mm -hmm. to the next one is I just want to give a quick shout out to the two characters I wish we had seen more of, Mr. and Mrs. Spottish, the drivers of the RV. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That call they call each other Mr. and Mrs. Spottish. Yep, yep. Where she like brings him Bloody Marys while he's driving. <laughs> and she's like, Here you are, Mr. Spottish. <laughs> Why, thank you, Mrs. Spottish. They're the best. Yeah. I want to know where they were going. Also, I want to know what their backstory is. Yeah. Also, they are recreating just the end of the first movie here, obviously, with Spottish. In the RV, but they also bring a fucking airplane into it. Yeah, right. That I, I again, how wild did I swing the airplane. I mean, that right there. I should love this movie. Yeah, just right. For that. What am I talking about? That ending is so out of nowhere. Yeah, it's such a and weird I love fucking it. Movie. Yeah. Oh God, I love this movie. I love this movie. I'm gonna say it. I love Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. When the, the truck generation. that kills the hitchhiker in the first movie, but now instead of a truck killing the hitchhiker, it's a plane killing Matthew <laughs> McConaughey, who is the hitchhiker and Drayton and Leatherface somehow. Ah, this movie's all over the place. It's good. It's great. Okay. I love it. Any other things you want to say about this before we move on to... No, I think that's it. I think... Because I... It's weird. This is fucked up. Now I want to watch it again. Yeah, I wanted to watch it again as soon as it ended. Wow. See, okay. I'm not going to say that I had that experience with the next movie. (laughs) But I came around a lot more to the next movie than I thought I would. (gasps) Yeah, I know. Look, I know. Maybe it's just because I'd seen it before. Well, can we get into it? Yeah, we might. Hey, we might as well just transition now to... <laughs> because there's not going to be a better time. <laughs> no, there's not. 2017's Leatherface. Leatherface. The prequel to the first movie. Kind of. Sort of. A little. Oh my God. Not really. Really quick, though. How did you watch this movie? What do you mean, how did I watch like, it? Did I was you... naked on my couch, <laughs> masturbating. <laughs> the way I watch every movie called Leatherface... <laughs> Okay, sorry, go on. Did you, because I have this whole thing where it's like, if I'm going to watch something, right, do you have your comfort rituals where it's like, I got the snacks I like, I get the soda I like? I think it depends. I think if I'm watching something that's not for the podcast, I tend to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I make I make a, a setting for myself, you know, with snacks and drinks and like, you know, get comfy. I will say I recommend making a setting for yourself the next time you want to watch something that you know you're going to have to say something nice about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it goes a long way. Yeah. Well, you didn't exactly help, by the way, when you just kept... Oh, I told you it was dog shit. Yeah. Yeah. So... Over and over and over again. <laughs> so I was really dreading watching it. Yeah. Well, then, I mean, in that case, just in the future, know that that means you have to make a setting for yourself. Okay. So if Andy you says to... something's dog shit, make a setting for yourself. Get into comfort viewing mode. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Because I, I just sat on my couch with my notebook. <laughs> I did not do anything special. I did keep pausing it to go what you know, the take fuck a break. Is this? Yeah. Well, there was also a lot of commercials because so just to let mm. our listeners know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation is available on HBO Max. Currently, I feel currently. like they, I feel like they've been a different Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie on HBO Max every month. Right. <laughs> they just rotate them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Leatherface 2017 is only available for free on Pluto TV, but that just means it has a lot of commercials. Yeah, which is fine. Yeah, I don't care. They're not interrupting much. No, <laughs> no, it was fine. I needed the breaks. <laughs> so all right. So without okay, we don't want to get too shitty about this yeah i've already passed our quota i think this is i don't know 
I think it's the lowest rated one. I think so too. Yeah. On the on the cr- on Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes and all that shit. So this one is actually positioning itself as a Leatherface origin story. Yes, it, it is what is but, what its purpose is. But because it's the second of the Lionsgate films, it is also beholden to certain plot narrative canon chronology details that were put forth in Texas Chainsaw 3D. So it was beholden to the idea of like, okay, the Sawyers at one point changed their name to Carson. There's this Verna Sawyer figure. Leatherface's real name is Jed. There's a farm instead of a slaughterhouse. And look, a lot of it doesn't make any sense. Even in Texas Chainsaw 3D, which I think is one of the better, we won't get into it. Yeah. But even then, it doesn't make any sense because that 25-year-old character was born in 1974 and it's 2011 or 2013, which shouldn't she be... Whatever. In her late 30s? Okay. Point is, you can find hate for this movie online if you look for it. <laughs> I mean, you don't even have to <laughs> look for it. You don't even have it. to look for it's it. It's everywhere. I'll t- like, hey, like, or you maybe have a friend like me who tells you it's dog shit, don't watch it. <laughs> Which I wouldn't have if we weren't doing it for the podcast yeah. because you told me it was dog shit yeah. and I wouldn't have watched it. I don't think it's total dog shit anymore. Okay. I have... Something nice to say about Leatherface. Oh, that's right, because that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. Shit, yeah. okay. We can't just be like, it's shot in fucking Bulgaria. How am I supposed to respect it? Uh, there's lots of movies shot in Eastern Europe that I respect. Not with the words Texas Chainsaw Massacre in the title. There are now two. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> the new one is uh, Bulgarian Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Well, and okay, Can, let's just acknowledge this is not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. No. And that's one of the nice things I have to say about Agreed. it. Agreed. Actually, same. Because it is one of only two of the movies in the series that I feel is actually legitimately trying to do something different than what the first movie did. Which is the other one? Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And all the rest are trying to riff off the same themes that the first one set up. This one is doing its completely own thing. And honestly, if you had changed the title, it still fits in i mean it's its its own movie the biggest problem i have with it is this idea of hiding the reveal of who leatherface is same same making it a not who done it but who is it well but not even letting you know that it's making it a who is it right spoiler it it tries to play this twist where the whole time it's pretending one character is who the who leatherface is going to become and then at the very end. Yeah. And it's like, I'm ah, just, JK, it's actually this guy. I'm just going to say, because we already said spoiler, mm-hmm. it leaned so heavily on this misdirect that when the character that you think is Leatherface gets shot in the head, <laughs> my response was not, oh, that's not Leatherface. My, was, my response was, oh, Leatherface can get shot in the head and will live. Maybe the- <laughs> Maybe this explains some of his brain damage. Mm-hmm. Like it took me a while to yeah. realize what they were doing because they leaned so heavily yeah. on one character being Leatherface and not the other. Yeah, exactly. When he gets shot in the head, you're just like, oh, well, this is why Leatherface has cognitive problems. Right. Now. Yeah. And then, oh, no, it's actually the hot guy. He's Which, Leatherface. There was no reason to do that. No, there wasn't. And they, they do a lot of like moving shit. There's like a bunch of shell game shit going on here where it's like, oh, the hospital that they're at changes the kids' names so that they break from their families. And that's why you don't know which one is Jed. Because you now you know that Leatherface's real name is Jed. And you know, it, it just all of this stuff where they're trying to hide it. It's like if they hadn't done that, I would like this movie a lot more. Yeah. I still wouldn't love it. But that's one of the main problems with it for me. Because I do think that this this way of telling this origin story in this way is interesting. 
I also will say, okay, synopsis here. What we're dealing with is we didn't do a synopsis for Next Generation, really. I mean, can you? No. <laughs> <laughs> How do you some, summarize that movie without talking for like an hour? Some teenagers leave the prom. And Where are they even going? I don't, I don't know. They just leave. And, and then they get some into back a, road. They're on a back road. They get in a car accident. They go to get help and then they run into the clan and shit starts yeah. going wrong. Yeah. That's the best summer I can do without getting way too in-depth. I mean, yeah, it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. Right. Leatherface is not a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie. No. It's, there's this idea, that, okay, the Sawyer family is at odds with the law, with the society. And this is another thing I like about it. This idea that there's this corrupt sheriff. You know, ultimately, this movie is... It's an A-cab movie. It's an A-cab movie, but not just that. It's a story about broken systems. Yeah. And failing institutions. And the predatory people that exploit those things for their own personal gain. It's about systemic, structural failure ruining lives. Unfortunately, it just also so happens that the Sawyers are a family of fucking homicidal maniacs. Well, and I, I, I mean, I think a big problem with any movie like this is that there's really nobody to root for because everybody's wrong. Yeah, that's ultimately that's the thing. Is there, there really isn't anyone to root for except for Jackson Sawyer and his friend Bud, who's yeah. the guy who you think is Letterface. Those are really, and the nurse, Lizzie. Yeah, Lizzie. Those are really the only people you root for. And unfortunately, it does all three of those people very dirty. And so you don't, your rooting isn't rewarded because the thing is, yeah, the Sawyer family are monsters too. Right. Just because the sheriff is a monster and the head doctor at this psychiatric uh, hospital is also a monster doesn't mean the Sawyers are not monsters. And there's this like weird kind of almost far right reactionary portrayal of the Sawyers and her lawyer. It's like borderline anti-Semitic what's going on. So it muddies that. It muddies the message that like, oh, this sheriff and the state of Texas and healthcare are all problems here. Those are the real threats in this movie. I like that idea, but it, it doesn't quite do it enough justice. Right. Yeah, so the Sawyers and the Sheriff's Department are at odds, but unfortunately one of those has more power than the other. Yeah. So it creates, because of the whole child protection laws that go into effect around this time in the 50s, this situation in which the sheriff can just take all of Verna Sawyer's kids away from her, yeah. put them in institutions. Yeah. And then the the plot becomes this breakout of this institution. And we follow these five characters, these two kind of monstrous oh, uh, yeah, this delinquents. Mickey and Mallory, Bonnie and Clyde, uh, Badlands. Take your fucking pick. They're right. a killer couple. Chucky and Tiffany. In this case, it's Clarice, Ike and, Clarice. And, and Ike. Who basically force our quote-unquote protagonists of Jackson, a.k.a. Jed, Bud, and the nurse Lizzie mm-hmm. to go along with them on this sort of misadventure trying to run from the cops. Yeah. And, okay, real quick. This all starts with this misdirect of this family. I don't like the opening scene. The birthday. I, I uh, Jed's birthday oh, party yeah, yeah. with the the pig thief it's like ugh. it's also the first inkling you get that maybe lily taylor wasn't the right choice for this role yeah right. which is sad because again you want it's lily taylor yeah she has like one great moment in this movie where she slaps the nurse in the asylum i fucking love that <laughs> i love that. i want to i want a gif of that to just react to people on twitter with but that's the only thing i like about her really in this she's her performance just isn't it's not what you want from this role you know, and Stephen Dorff. That's the other thing. Stephen Dorff plays the sheriff Hartman. The only two big name people in the in the cast, and they're the people that are like, ah, you're miscast. Stephen Dorff's not. I don't think he's good as the sheriff. 
and I don't think Lily Taylor is good as Verna Sawyer. No. Do you know who was originally supposed to play Verna? Verna? It was um, Angela Bettis. Angela Bettis. That would have been great. That would have been great. Not that I have anything against Stephen Dorff or Lily Taylor, but no. And, and I mean, this is a problem with this movie. They're trying too hard to make these characters something that this movie doesn't need. Mm-hmm. That's against what this movie is going for. Like they're working against the film. Yeah. I, and I think that it might have been a directing problem. I think that maybe they weren't directed well. Keep in mind, these are the filmmakers that made Yes Inside, which is glorious, but also The Deep House, which is not. <laughs> Gross. I just realized something. What? This was shot in Bulgaria. I was wondering, like, why does this, this film have at least two Game of Thrones actors in it? Bud is played by Young Hoder. And yes. Finn Jones, who plays Loris, yeah. is uh, <laughs> the, and the it's deputy. because Game of Thrones was shooting in that area at that time. Who is just like why? Like why what, the deputy? Why? Yeah, what is that character? Yeah, that it character has no, no point. Yeah, especially with with his death, it's like, well, you didn't serve a purpose. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of that. Well, yeah, I mean, they're positioning him as as this moral grounding point of the sheriff's department, yeah. the one who is questioning the sheriff. But, but like, then it turns out he's corrupt too. Yeah. And the Again, sheriff, a cab movie. The sheriff just never feels like a threat. I don't care. No. I don't care what Stephen Dorff is doing. He never actually feels like a threat in this movie. And that's what would have been the really cool way to play this. As it's a Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie where the threat is this fucking sheriff, and he right. just it just doesn't like, work. Give me the Arlie Ermy from the remake yes. level sheriff yes. against the Sawyer. Yes. That's yeah. the threat that I would believe. Yeah. But okay, want. this is say something nice. Oh shit, I keep forgetting. No, it's very oh, hard to forget. Okay, to here's remember something that nice I have to say. Movie. That uh, Texas Prime Barbecue location is a great location. It's a great. I, I like that scene. I'm yeah, not going to lie. I love I, that I, scene. The whole diner scene, I love it. But I love specifically, it all. I love the layout of it. I mm-hmm. love the look of it. I think that it was a solid set piece. Yep. You know? It also lends to the action of it really well yes and and i think part again another part of the scene working not just location ike and clarice i think those are great characters and i think the actors are doing a great job i think that james bluer is how you pronounce his name i think and jessica madsen i think they're both terrific as ike and clarice you know what i will say i actually i think the problem is when they're introduced in the asylum, they're introduced in these in a very kind of cartoonish way yeah. where you're immediately kind of set up to be like, you're too much. Like, yes. this is aggressive. But once those actors are given room to, to like, show what they're capable of out in the wilderness yeah. on the run, I, I agree. I yeah. think that they become amazing. Once, they, once they're allowed to give their role mm-hmm. their interpretation. Well, yeah, when they're, when they're introduced individually and they're, like, introduced as bullies in the asylum, you're like, eh, right. th- these characters are going to be a problem. And they're really the main threat of the movie. Yeah. But then the moment that I start to come around to them is when they're fucking during the riot, <laughs> which I uh-huh. think is kind of hilarious. But then the scene in the barbecue is where I'm really like, oh, they're kind of great. This is great. And then they're done dirty with the, I don't like the Ike being a rapist thing. You know, I know he's not supposed to be sympathetic. Right. He's a bad person. But that just adds a dimension to it that I think it wasn't takes... Necessary. It wasn't necessary. And I think it takes away from everything else that's going on. Yeah. And I think that this film does that in a number of spots, but I need to say nice things. So I like these these actors in these roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love the reveal that Clarice is all scarred. Oh, and the scarring is the great. Scene. That was another uh, nice yeah. thing I wrote down is that her makeup on the scarring is fantastic. Yeah, it's so like yeah. it's this like kind of it's not even burn scarring. Or maybe it is. I think it's burning. Burn, yeah. but it's in a unique way mm-hmm. that stretches from one side of her face and down across her breasts and down her abdomen, and yeah. it looks really interesting. Yeah. It's yeah. such it's a great makeup job. Yeah. And I do like the beginning 
the birthday party scene, I don't like it, but I love Grandpa. Grandpa hitting the thief with the hammer uh-huh. and just looking up and smiling. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. I fucking okay. love that I, beat. I, yeah. That beat is so good. And I do love the fake out with the couple, uh, Sheriff Hartman's daughter, uh-huh. with where you're like, oh, this is our final girl, you know, and then she gets killed. I don't like how she gets killed. I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah. But I do love that there's a fake out there. I love the roadkill suit that little Jed is wearing. Oh, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> a weird roadkill suit? Ugh. You know, it's, it's Gaga at the Met. Um, <laughs> I, I do want to, as a branch of my Texas Prime Barbecue thing, is this movie has a lot of great set pieces. It, it makes me sad because I think that the farm isn't shot very well. I think that the house itself is kind of a weak set piece, considering the others, but I think the trailer is amazing. The guy, the corpse in the trailer, the guy that hanged himself, the mm-hmm. owner of the trailer is amazing. It's just, oh, it's just the, this corpse. Yes, the trailer and the corpse. Oh, I love that. It's so good. Yeah, yeah I love that. It's this like kind of bloated. It's like a Texas humidity bloat. To a, a guy that hung himself and has been rotting inside this trailer for a I saw a Texas summer. Humidity bloat open for Nine Inch Nails in 1997. <laughs> but yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's so gross and I love it. Yeah. In fact, honestly, I would say this, the best parts of this film are the middle where the kids are on the run. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, once they leave the asylum up until they run into the cops again is the best part of this film. It's where this film has its strongest footing and knows what it's doing. Yeah, I do. I think I think that that's where it works because again, that's where it's doing something different. That's right. where they're doing this. They're taking this opportunity to tell this prequel or sequel story uh, in a very different way with different tropes, with like tropes that sometimes you don't see in horror movies. Yeah, you know. Well, more so than just the prequel thing, that's when this film is telling its own story. Mm-hmm. It's when it has to bracket it in the prequel. Yeah, when it when it feels yeah, that's when it fails. Obligated. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think it's admirable on just the fact that it's trying to do something different with yeah. this, with these characters in this setting is very, is very admirable, and it, it kind of doesn't always nail it, which is that's the frustrating part. And like, I think it's carried by some of the performances. I really love Sam Coleman, the actor who played Young Hodor. I love him as Bud. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I love that character. I love mm-hmm. him in this movie, and yeah. I want. It sucks that he's not Leatherface. Because yeah. it's like, this is the guy I like. This is the guy I'm rooting for here. Well, and it would loop back around perfectly if Jackson just got killed. Yeah, right? You know, and that's what you need to close the bracket to Leatherface. The thing about Jackson is, his, that actor, it's not his fault. No. But his performance is kind of all over the place. And you can feel it's he's getting bad direction. Well, and I think a lot of that is the pressure to make him Leatherface. Yeah, because there's parts where it's like... He's way too self-assured. He's way too confident saying these things. This is not Leatherface stuff. And then there's parts where his anxiety is kind of coming through a little bit. And you're like, okay, I can see it. And there is a the little temper tantrum he throws in the cop car after he kills the cop, after Bud dies. Right. Is a Leatherface moment. It, he feels like Leatherface in that moment, which is saying a lot considering that he looks nothing like what you would expect Leatherface to. Right. And then, the, I mean, the idea being that this trauma and all of these conditions is what created him or what transformed him into Leatherface. And it's like, I see that. It still doesn't really wash for me. And I like the idea of Leatherface being more who he is because of dysphoria than I do it being a physical scarring issue. You know, I don't like the idea of Leatherface just wearing a mask because, oh, he thinks he's ugly. That's not Leatherface to me, really. And I know that this isn't the first film to play with that idea, but I just, I don't know, it just kind of rubs me the wrong way. And especially considering that it, it's because he killed Liz, like he kills Lizzie and takes her face. 
to be Leatherface, and it's like, ugh, yeah, that, that doesn't feel right. Like it didn't make much sense, you know. Especially when you remove him. all of the other psychosexual stuff from it, right. and all of the other like queer stuff from it. It's like this doesn't make sense to me. I, it would make more sense to me if he wasn't the one to kill her. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Again, say something nice. The wound that he gets when he gets shot in the face oh, is wow. so cool. It's looking. really cool. It's yeah. real gnarly. There are some really good effects makeup and like gags and, and prop work in this film. Yeah. yeah. I do like that this movie, unlike multiple Texas Chainsaw movies, it's not just one note. It is, it does play with dynamics. It does like rest at times. It's not just like, ah, the whole movie. Yeah. It is, it, it does take breaks. Well, and that's one thing I love about that middle section where it's just the kids on their own is that that's when it gives all five of them room to do that. To be by themselves, to be with each other, to like interact with each other, you know, in different yeah. ways that are yeah. not at a, yeah. a an extreme level. Yeah, I don't like the idea that this it's Leatherface's anger, his rage is why he is the way he is. Like, I like I like jittery Leatherface. Right. I like nervous Leatherface. I'm not so into like ah I'm mad Leatherface. I don't like Butch Leatherface so much. I guess is the way I should right. say. It. I feel like I have to stop talking because that's all the nice things I have to say. <laughs> yeah, that's most of the nice things I have to say. I like the wheelchair going out the window mm, as yeah. they're driving away. Yeah, that was good. I like Bud killing the director of the asylum or the hospital. Oh, yeah, I that like was a, that's good, a kill. good kill. I liked the woods at the end. That was really well shot. It was really pretty. I don't like, yeah. You know. Well, I think in general, this film's really well shot. True. I think most of the time it's pretty just like, okay, yeah, this is how you shoot a thing. You're, it's workmanlike, it's competent. But there are occasional shots that are like, wow, especially just the lighting. There's like, yeah, the woods, the uh, like the birthday candles in the birthday scene, even though I don't like the scene mostly. There's another shot I can't remember right now, but <laughs> there are a lot of light and and landscape are really well captured in this, in this, the way this film is shot. Yeah, absolutely. I like that Clarice's name is clearly an a, a Ed Gein adjacent reference. Oh, yeah. To Silence totally. of the Lambs. <laughs> really big fan of that. And I think, yeah, I think mostly where it fails is this having trying to have its cake and eat it too. Yeah. Where it's trying to be about institutional evils, but also, hey, the Sawyers are killing people. And that's, I think, where it, it doesn't quite mesh and it doesn't work. And it is frustrating. But I have nice things to say about it. I'll tell you, I remember very specifically the first time I watched this movie, never would have thought I'd have anything nice to say about it. Yeah. But watching it this time, because I created a little comfort setting for myself and I was watching it with this, like, I'm going to say something nice. I ended up finding a lot of things that I was like, huh, I actually really like this. Ultimately, it's still a frustrating experience for me. Agreed. But these pieces of it, I really do enjoy. And I think that they should be kind of acknowledged, you know? Yeah. Really quick, without going into why we hate it, say something nice about the remake. <laughs> And you can't say Gabe from Six Feet Under. Damn it, that's just what I was about to say, you fuck. <laughs> and, you, and I can't say Jessica Beale. That would have been my next one. <laughs> uh, I mean, they're both fine in it. Yeah. Um, and you can't say the shot uh, after the woman kills, after the hitchhiker kills herself through the. God, through stop the it. Car. Stop taking away my nice things. <laughs> I do like the uh, older woman with the curly hair in the trailer. Oh, yeah. Like, She's great. She's great. The movie really needed more of her. Yeah, absolutely. She's yeah. on there way too short. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's been a couple years since I've seen it, but there are aspects of the chase that I really like. I mean, it's a multi-stage yeah, chase, yeah. But and it's shot well, yeah. I mean, the well, whole thing Daniel is, Pearl, yeah, yeah who it's shot, shot the well. original. So. It's a pretty film, and yeah. I think that's why it's really easy for people to forget that it's a shitty film. <laughs> that it's not it well looks pretty, or well directed, or well structured, or well cut. Right. It's yeah. like the dumb hot girl. <laughs> You know, yeah, like people yeah, forget she's dumb yeah. because she's so hot. Well, that, okay, yeah, that's, that's what you say. That That's the nice thing you say is, well, it's, she's hot. Yeah, exactly. She's hot. <laughs> I'd fuck her. I'm glad she goes to school here. <laughs> that's what I say about Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yeah. Really quick. Yeah. Fuck, Mary kill. Oh, God. W.E., Vilmer, Ooh. and Darla. Oh, wow. Wow, 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 wow. That's tough because I kind of want to do all three to all three. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I gotta tell you, I'm killing Vilmer. Oh God, but he would be so good in bed. I bet. I'm scared of the robot leg. I mean, I'm scared of him. Yeah, yeah. he goes wildly oh, from that... being okay to being not well, okay in a very violent way very quickly. And here's the thing: you get a glimpse of what his style is in the bedroom between him and Darla. There's that yeah. bit in the kitchen. Yeah, and it's aggressive. It's aggressive and not necessarily in a hot way. Well, it's aggressive in a way that doesn't nece- that doesn't take your safety into account. Which can be hot. <laughs> yes. But but Vilmer doesn't have a safe yeah, word. I don't feel like... Yeah, here's the... I'm killing Vilmer. Okay. I'm. Oh, God, really? No? Okay. Can I just marry Darla and fuck Darla and kill <laughs> W.E.? And, uh, I, mean, I think I'm marrying W.E., Okay, I figured you would. I think I'm marrying W.E. and Because Darla, look, she's scary too. W.E. is the only one that I'm not scared of. True, And I feel like W.E. and I, I feel like he's intimidating at first. He's a little annoying at first. He's pretty obnoxious. Yeah, he is pretty obnoxious. I don't think I would get tired of his quotes. I think that I would always find it fun. And I feel like if he and I had a conversation, we'd find we probably have more in common than we don't. I probably would not like that about myself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Darla's so hot, but I, I don't think I could be with her. It's too much. She's too much. See, I would. I, I don't think I could handle We. Yeah. And so I would kill him because I, I just he is annoying and he it, is it annoying. grates on me real yeah. fast. And it's yeah. annoying in a way that I'm not a fan of. <laughs> Obviously, I'm marrying Darla because you know, you know how much I love her. I that is my kind of person. Like I want she, her around for life. She brings pizzas home. Uh, yeah. She works. And the thing about Vilmer is, is it's kind of like. He's like an extreme sport. He's like base jumping. I want to do it once. once. Yeah, <laughs> and that's okay. it. Just Fair. just to have yeah. the experience. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> but you can't marry him. No, God, no. You know what? I think I'm with you, actually. I think I'm marrying Darla, killing W. You talked me into it. Really? Yeah, I've yes. come around. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fuck, Mary kill. Verna Sawyer. Yeah. Drayton Sawyer. Beefcake Drayton. Which, okay, how do we feel about Beefcake Drayton? Because that is not canon to me. No. He does not look anything like Jim Cito. Like, he's hot. But also, what the fuck? Yeah, it's a this lot. Is, this movie is set in 1965. The majority of the action in this movie is 1965. That is only nine years before the 1974 Texas Chainsaw Massacre. What happened to Drayton Sawyer in those nine years? I think... That Drayton Sawyer died, and they just got a new Drayton Sawyer. <laughs> they just got a new one. <laughs> like, not that James Cito is unattractive. He's just goofy looking. Yeah, he's weird looking. Yeah, I love. He's my. I think he's my favorite actor in all of the films. I mean, he's great. He's so good. He's so fucking. Good. I mean, Edwin Neal is incredible too. But Jim Cito's just got this. Like, there's this naturalness to him that I that I really love. 
Anyway. So who's the third? So, so Verna Sawyer, Beefcake Drayton, and although you don't really get a lot of Beefcake Drayton. No. I was going to say Sheriff Hartman. Oh, no. Here's the third in this. It's Sheriff Hartman, Verna Sawyer, and, and the then doctor. it's the doctor, the doctor, Dr. Lang. Yeah. Because they're all kind of hot in that sort of psychotic well, they're, they're way. Awful. They're all, yeah, exactly. They're all evil authority figures. Yeah. But but, but with very different things going on. Right. Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, ACAB, so he's dead. Oh, okay. Hartman's dead. I'm I'd, sorry, I'm giving you mine. I'd fuck Hartman. It's Stephen Dorff. Yeah, look, it is Stephen Dorff. And I feel like it'd be a similar situation to Vilmer. Actually, you know what? No, I feel like he'd be worse than Vilmer. I feel like Sheriff Hartman sucks in bed because he's yeah. too angry. Yeah. Like there's a level of anger that translates well to sex. Yeah. And he goes beyond that. Yeah. So you know what? No, you're right. Kill Hartman. He's too yeah. angry. And now it's like, okay, do we go with the man in STEM or the, you know, the woman who's, you know, a small business mogul, a community, she, she's a community leader. I mean, and she really loves her family. She really does love her family. She's really loyal. And I bet you like Lang. Okay. What he's doing at that hospital is incredibly unethical, evil, and awful. And I yes. don't think that he should be doing any of that, but also like he probably knows some tricks. Oh, for sure. You know? He probably has some devices. Uh, yeah, yeah. That could oh, come he in has handy. great toys. So I think I'm fucking Lang and marrying Verna. So with you. Yeah, yeah, that's the way to go for sure. And look, she's Lily Taylor, and we love Lily Taylor. Yeah, you know, that's my problem with the movie is that she's too nice. <laughs> In this right, movie. she's agreed. like not evil enough. Well, and so when she does become evil, it doesn't fit. It doesn't. It, yeah, it, and it's not even that it it comes out of nowhere. It's just that she can't reach that level of evilness. Yeah, well, it's exactly. It's like it's not. Again, it's it's the same problem that a lot of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies have, where like it's like it can't embrace the camp. You know, like right. her performance in a movie that is doing a nuanced thing would be interesting. This movie's not doing that thing. No. So she needs to camp it the fuck up. Give me some Joan Crawford, baby. Right, like her delivery in telling Jed to kill Lizzie, it makes it sound like she's asking him to do like a challenging chore, you know, like yeah. go feed the pigs or, you know, go clean up the shit. Yeah. You know, it's not like, it's not the level that we need that you're asking him to betray who he fundamentally is as a person that yep. we, at least as far as we have known up to this point. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Say something nice, Philip. Well, we were done saying something nice. Oh, yeah. We'd stop the segment, so now look, we can the, shit talk look, all we the want. the nice thing is we'd marry you. Yeah. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> I'm a catch. I think we're good to wrap up, yeah? Yeah, that was fun. Hey, Andy. I'm sorry, what? Hey. Hey. Let's not make this an all-nighter, all right? I mean, I hate to be a party pooper, but it's late, and I'm tired, and the pizzas are getting cold. <laughs> Fuck. You're an idiot and a fool, and I don't know why God bothered to make you. Uh, you go, you get to running with the wrong crowd, wind up in the reformatory. No respect, no discipline. That's the problem. Family values have gone straight to hell. I'm just going to kill you. It ain't no fucking biggie. <laughs> it ain't no fucking biggie. That is so great. That's great. Yeah. That might be my favorite thing Matthew McConaughey does in that whole film. Get her leather! Get her leather! Get that bitch! All right. Until next week. Bye, good luck. Look what your brother did to this door. <laughs> <laughs>